Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. And let me welcome you. Thank you for putting up with me today. Uh, Rush is out doing what needs to get done. And that's what we need to know. It's an honor to be here with you. 800-282-2882 if you want to join the program. Bad big nights. Big night coming up in the Democratic debate. I look at the array of personalities and backgrounds and robust. Robust? <laughs> Oh, CVs. Yes, their curriculum vital. Let's look at this. You have a woman who decided that she would pretend to be a Native American, never spoke of it, never spoke of it throughout her life, never spoke of it in, in college. Then she gets into consideration for Harvard Law. Boom! Instantly a Cherokee Indian. There it is. Then you have this background with Liz Warren. I've spent my life defending the little people, you little people, the tiny people who come and give me three of the remaining six dollars. Well... Yeah, there was the Dow Chemical stuff um, where you defended big business, etc. But you don't want to talk about that. She's on stage tonight in a thrilling turn of events. Liz Warren has announced that the, the Green New Deal is not colorful enough. We need a Blue New Deal because the Green New Deal will not save the oceans, which is bizarre. Because I am old enough to remember a time when we were told by the last Democrat president, uh, this is a time that the oceans will begin to heal and the tides will begin to recede and I am the person you have been waiting for. I thought we'd done that already. So I guess one term of President Trump has turned that all around. So Liz Warren now is promoting a blue new deal. You didn't know that because it didn't make any noise because Liz Warren's campaign is over. So you got that personality debate tonight. You also have... Bernie Sanders. And I want you to hear something that Rush said way back in 2016 about this same Bernie Sanders way back in 2016. This is El Rushbaugh. You know what I learned about Bernie Sanders? He didn't earn a paycheck till age 40. Bernie Sanders is actually a bum. Bernie Sanders, here it is. It's in the Investor's Business Daily editorial. Bernie Sanders, the bum who wants your money. Democrat presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders said Monday his parents would never have thought their son would end up in the Senate and running for president. No kidding. He was a ne'er-do-well into his late 30s. It's certainly something I don't think they ever believed would have happened, said the unabashed socialist during CNN's Democrat town hall forum. He explained his family couldn't imagine his success because my brother and I and Mom and Dad, we grew up in a a three-and-a-half-room rent-controlled apartment in Brooklyn. We never had a whole lot of money. But he said it wasn't as bad, uh, or IBD says it wasn't as bad as he says. His family managed to send him to the University of Chicago. Despite a prestigious degree, however, Sanders failed to earn a living even as an adult. It took him 40 years to collect his first steady paycheck, and it was a government paycheck. Sanders told Vermont Public TV, 1985, I never had any money in my life. After settling into his first real job as mayor of Burlington, Sanders spent most of his life as an angry radical and agitator who never accomplished much of anything. And yet now he thinks he deserves the power to run your life and your finances. That's El Rushboat. Now, just 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 transpose that factual background about Bernie Sanders with this statement as we look forward to the robust debate tonight of talented, wonderful people, patriotic. Well, the Democrats. Let me just just cut it to the chest. It's the Democrats. 
Tom Steyer, you got him, the billionaire. You got Mike Bloomberg. We're going to spend some time on Bloomberg today. Bloomberg is the sort of person uh, for whom the word hypocrite was coined way back in the biblical days when Christ Jesus said, you're all hypocrites, because uh, probably Joseph built a, a, a facility for actors, hence the phrase hypocrite. You have this. Bernie Sanders is accusing Mike Bloomberg of attempting to buy the election with, with his own money. And yet Bernie Sanders is attempting to to buy the election with money he's conned out of other people, out of young people. He was just here. I'm back again once. Uh, I've been spending most of my time in northern Idaho. So I'm back here in Seattle. There was just a rally the other night in Tacoma. And it was, I had a friend of mine go there. It was a conservative. He went to go monitor this. And he said, listen, I'm not telling, I'm not making this up. I am telling you that everything was free stuff, free stuff, free stuff. But let's do a little comparison. Bernie is a bum until the age of 40. Then he gets a government paycheck. Okay. And what does he become? He becomes a, you know, he doesn't become, he is employing socialism. His wife is bankrupted a college using influence peddling by Bernie. She took out loans. She shouldn't have taken out bankrupted that college that's what he's done with his life okay and now he wants to run yours now compare that to bloomberg so what does bloomberg do with his wealth bloomberg is the king of all hypocrites i'm going to do a whole segment on this on bloomberg on salt on bloomberg on global warming but what else is he doing he wants to run your life in every possible aspect of the idea he wants to run your life So you have Bloomberg saying, you don't get salt. You can't have salt on the table. You can't have trans fats. You can't have guns. You can't have this. All the things that he has. We'll go into detail on this. Take that and compare it to Tom Steyer. Steyer's wealth, as I understand it, came from fossil fuels. Steyer's a super smart guy. He turns and says, okay, there's no more crony capitalism to be bought in the fossil fuel industry. I've been beat. ExxonMobil. They've, uh, they've got all the infrastructure. They've got all the installations around the country and around the globe. They've got their footprint in D.C., so what can I do? So he turns to the so-called green energy. So Tom Steyer now takes his wealth, turns that around not to innovate, but instead to go out and use your money to propel his latest business ideas. So he gets with in, insane leftists on the West Coast, on the coasts, and he argues for the government to advantage these so-called green energies. However, I just read this study. I just read this study about electric cars and what, the, what it costs to create an electric car. It's not just the mining of the materials, which is you know, three, three metals they have to mine, which kids mine, which is then shipped. Well, first of all, it's refined. Then it's shipped to places to be installed in the batteries. You're talking about an 80 to 1 ratio, as I read this study, of carbon impact for those cars just in the manufacturing process and compared to an ordinary car. But Steyer, that doesn't bother Steyer. So again, look at the personalities. There is not a person on that stage who has any form of consistency save Bernie Sanders. Sanders is the only consistent person up there, and he's still a bum. There's no legislation that's meaningful with Sanders' name on this, and yet he lead um, with Sanders' name on his whole time in the Senate, and yet he leads in this. So Bloomberg's going to be in the debates. Where does Bloomberg hit Sanders? This is going to be very, very entertaining. Oh wait, I forgot about a guy. What's his name? Uh, oh, rides the Amtrak. Uh, worked for Barack Obama. Likes to sniff women's hair. Mm, you smell good. Can you come over here a little closer? 
Mm, is that the peach shampoo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joe Biden, the hair sniffer. Joe Biden, the lifeguard, the hair sniffer. Can you imagine? Just honestly, honestly. Let's say that you're at uh, a, a school event. Let's say that your daughter, I don't know, she wins an academic medal. Let's just, just put that out there. Your daughter, she wins an academic medal. She's up on stage with the principal. And he's giving her an award, and his arm comes around her chest, and he goes, <sighs> and he's just sniffing her hair. How quickly do you jump out of the seat and go up to the principal and acquaint him with the ways of mano a mano negotiation over hair sniffing? It happens pretty quick. So I've forgotten about Joe Biden. Biden is being forgotten by the electorate. It's, it's, it's worse than that. Biden's own donors... The people who are billion-dollar you know, bundlers for the Democratic Party are saying he's got to get out. Like They're calling, in, you know, there's the emergency meetings at the DOJs. The DOJ will talk about that later. They're calling emergency meetings on the donor side saying, Joe, you got to get out. So Joe Biden no longer has the media Teflon because they want this guy out of the way now. So hits are going out on Biden. Biden is asked by none other than Jorge Ramos from Univision. So Jorge Ramos hates President Trump, hates the immigration policies, etc. But Jorge Ramos takes Joe Biden a picture of a kid being detained um, by Department of Homeland Security during the Obama era, when there were far more, far more people sent from the country under Barack Obama. Shows him the picture. Biden first attempts to sniff the picture to see if he can sniff the child's hair. Now, this, is a, this isn't scratch and sniff. What are you doing to me? Ramos says to him, you put kids in cages. Showed him a picture of someone from Honduras, a young person from young earth, eight-year-old kid from Honduras. Uh, and Biden is visibly shocked. Yes, yes. Uh, 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 what happened? It was that the unaccompanied children were coming across the border, and we, we, we had to try to get them out, and, and, and we kept them safe. And so he goes on to try to peddle this idea that what they did was different. But it wasn't because it's, it was demanded by law. And it's not something that I don't think anyone enjoys. Hey, let's put a kid in this enclosure away from their parents. Yep. Joe Biden doesn't have on the tip of his tongue this answer. Yes, human traffickers were bringing kids across. They weren't their parents. They intended to enslave them. Yes, we protected them. Because Joe Biden has never been confronted with these facts. These are the robust personalities. These are the impressive personas that the Democrats have laid out to lead this country. Meanwhile, President Trump is going to have about 450 miles of wall built. Meanwhile, President Trump is deploying the Department of Homeland Security finally to sanctuary cities, insane cities like Portland and San Francisco and Los Angeles, Seattle, and New York City. So in other words, as they're going out and playing the personality game, President Trump is down to work. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. As Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Uh, reminder that you can go to RushLimbaugh.com and send Rush a note. There's a link there. Really easy to find. I think it's top left-hand side. And uh, L. Rushbow himself says that he can feel that support. Uh, I heard Mark Stein speak of that as well. So please do that. Uh, it is super meaningful, not just, I think, to Rush, but also to this team. It's not talked enough about, and I don't want to talk out of school because I'm just a guest host. But a lot of folks who work for Rush uh, for 30-plus years. Uh, very much a family. So I think it's meaningful for the entire EIB team uh, to see these support notes for Russia. He's out doing what needs to get done. I, I've lived in a sanctuary city for many, many years, and I am so relieved to see the President of the United States beginning to put ICE agents into these uh, cities because there has to be a reckoning. 
Uh, there was a time when what Sanctuary City meant. Uh, I was in San Francisco when this was launched. I lived there then. I don't, why did I live in liberal cities? Maybe it's just to learn what they do. Maybe it's just to prepare me for this moment. But um, it started as, hey, if you call 911, we won't ask your immigration status. Th- that's how it started. Where it's at now is in cities, left coast cities, um, there are prosecutors who literally will not file DUI charges against uh, illegal immigrants. They say it's unfair because a DUI charge can get you deported. Now, they'll file a DUI charge against you because that's perfectly fair. There are prosecutors on the, the coast in the sanctuary cities who will not hold a, an illegal immigrant in jail more than 364 days. Why? Because the 365th day is when ICE is automatically notified. And we can go through story after story of law enforcement officer killed. We can go through all of, by an illegal immigrant who, who they could have deported multiple times. And people on the left will say, well, you can always use those stories to paint all immigrants this way, except I'm not doing that. Except I'm not doing that at all. I'm simply pointing out that when you don't have any standards, you have no control. Think of this. If you have no standards, you have no control. So now, of course, the left is panicked and the media is panicked and Trump is, he's militarizing. Well, these people have tactical training. They have tactical training. Trump is sending ICE agents with tactical training into these cities. Yeah, because there's also cartels in these cities that have come to these cities because so many of these cities aren't just open borders, sanctuary cities. They've also legalized fentanyl and meth. And the cartels are business people. They're saying, wow, I can, I can sell fentanyl like an ice cream cone or like a hot dog in the corner of New York, you know, in New York City. So, of course, they're here. Right. So Trump is finally deploying these people. And there's got to be a reckoning. Right. And I just say this to folks who are pro sanctuary city. Just try this on. How about if every red state says, you know what? We're not giving the IRS any data. You know what? EPA, you can't fly into our states. We're not going to EPA people. You're not allowed to speak in, in the state of, of Idaho. You can't speak. We don't let your free speech isn't welcome here. Try that on the other hand. Let's talk to Grant in 29 Palms, California. Grant, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Grant. Hey, how's it going, Todd? Good. All right. Yeah, I, I was uh, tell the call screener itself. Um, so I'm a disabled veteran, 100, percent and I uh, I work I worked for ICE and uh, in the headquarters in D.C. And one of the things that I noticed uh, over the course of time, I used to receive a lot of the uh, congressional inquiries, and uh, not going into too much detail on it, but the hypocrisy from the left is is ridiculous. Because, say for example, there was a uh, a uh, illegal immigrant that you know killed some of the American some American citizen from like a DUI, I would get more inquiries from a lot of the Democratic Party um, congressional members to make sure they get the status of that detainee as opposed to how is that family being compensated, you know, for certain things or how is the family affected? And uh, it it blew my mind uh, over the course of years how much I really didn't know how bad it was until I started seeing a lot of the left's, like, request to care more about the illegal immigrant wow. than the actual American citizen. No, it's, it's, it's stunning what they're willing to do, what they're willing to trade. You think of what they're willing to trade. Um, look, I, I, you know, Grant, you know far more about this than I, but uh, Mexico's a failed state. I, I don't know how many mayors uh, and, and police chiefs have been murdered and beheaded, and you had an actual, you had a cartel defeat a police force. The cartel has logos on their uniforms, and they're in full body armor, etc. They go on TV. 
and they promote what they've done. It's a failed state. No, no, no wonder people want to flee. But we also need to understand that the cartels aren't going to say, well, that's America. It's not fair that we go there. There's a border. Why We can't go you know, take over southern Arizona or southern Texas. That's not fair. That's America. They don't, you know, they don't think that way. So we've got a failed state on our border. The compassionate thing is to support the efforts to bring that state back into control, etc. That's the compassionate thing. Rather than having all the decent people want out, all the desperate people get out, etc., and uh, so what you're making is a very strong point. I wanted to ask you, Grant, real quick. I know this isn't why you called. You said you're 100% disabled vet. Are you getting the care you need? Uh, not really, but, I mean, I hate to say it's government health care, you know. <laughs> so okay. when everybody talks about this magical Medicare problem yeah. that's going to happen for all Americans, it's ridiculous. Because just look at the VA. They're supposed to be taking care of us, um, you know, beyond our beliefs of how vets are supposed to be taking care of. But reality is, I mean, I... I've been waiting over a month and a half just for my first appointment when I moved to another VA. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of sad, but you know, I'm, I'm not one to complain. I'm more one to uh, do something about the problem and be proactive as opposed to reactive. Wait, you're telling me a veteran is going to be proactive rather than reactive. Of course you are because you're, (laughs) you're, you're a man in full is what you are. And I I just want to tell you uh, on your behalf, uh, it angers me. It angers me to hear that you're not getting the support. It saddens me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here furious about this. I sound more angry than you are because I, I did not go into combat. Um, there are people like you who did that for me. And I feel a, um, an extraordinary debt to you. And it, it, I, I'm not going to use the language. I, I, it's a rush to show. I just want you to know that I'm, I'm upset about that. And, Grant, we thank you uh, for the call for, and for your attitude, too. Folks could learn from that. What would you say? You're going to fight to change it versus moan about it? Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the way I have to live because if not, no one's going to come knocking on my door wanting to help me. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do what's right. So, Hey, listen, uh, God bless you. And there's about, uh, there's probably seven to eight million people right now uh, who are going to say a prayer tonight for Grant in 29 Palms, California, that you finally get the care you deserve. Uh, we really appreciate you. Great call, Grant. Thank you for joining us on Russia's show. Appreciate it very much. Can I say one thing one more time? Yeah, i got about 10 seconds uh, just because there's a hard break. You. Yeah. I got you. To all the uh, vets out there, I'm here for you as much as you're here for me. So um, just if you can reach out to a vet and, uh, you know, tell them, tell them thank you for the service and lift them up because some of them are down. So, yeah. Thank you for your service, Grant. God bless you very much. I thank you for the call. This is Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB network, available always at rushlimbaugh.com. You can also go there and leave a note for Rush. Oh, thanks for being with me today. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush. You can uh, reach me on Twitter if you ever want to do that, at Todd E. Herman. Uh, the broadcast engineer, Mike Mamone, longtime Team AIB member, made a just brilliant suggestion uh, that what if Mike Bloomberg tonight uh, during the debates was to read some of Bernie Sanders' rape poetry? Uh, Sanders had written what some people call an essay, um, the point of which was a woman is having sexual relations with her husband while fantasizing about being raped by three men simultaneously. Now, I was, because Mike made this suggestion, and that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? If, or wait, what, if, what if Warren read it? What if, what if Elizabeth Warren said, you recanted this, but can you explain why you ever wrote it? And I went to search online to find the verbatim poetry, and every single entry... <laughs> is attempting to contextualize a 
bit of poetry written by a loser living in his, literally, literally living in his, his mother's house until he's 40, attempting to get paid for writing rape fantasy poetry. And here's Snopes. Oh, uh, let's explain this. Here's NPR. Let's explain it. Here's Vox. Um, let's explain this. <laughs> and then Sanders, um, CNN, distanced himself from a 1972 dumb rape essay he wrote. But please, Liz Warren, there's your path back into relevance. Because your Blue New Deal thing, that's going nowhere, right? So there's your path. I'm telling you, Liz, I'm saying this as uh, I'm saying this as someone who wants you to recover from yourself. I'm saving you from you. Get that poetry, read it to Bernie, and ask him, why'd you ever Ask him where he was. You want creepy? Ask Bernie, were you in your mom's house when you wrote this? And how many pennies per word did you get? There's a plan, and I can't take credit for that. It's Mike Moen's plan. 800-282-2882 if you want to join us. Big debate tonight, robust personalities, great brains, no hypocrites. It's not like Mike Bloomberg's out calling farmers stupid. Oh, wait, although no, he did. No, that's right, he did. He said farming, that's dumb. It's a dumb person's job. doesn't have any gray matter. I saw Twitter interactions. It was brilliant. I saw a guy say, I'm not a farmer. I write guidebooks for farmers. I'm currently writing a chapter on nitrogen cycles and nitrogen balance, in, in, including this intense chart and these graphs. But Bloomberg, of course, it'll just dig a hole, pop a seed in it, and probably, in, in the case of Bloomberg, his, his magical sweat will just encourage the, uh, the corn of seed to grow into 10,000 acres of food for, for folks. Tannis, Glenwood, Iowa. You are on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Tannis. Welcome to Russia's show. It's Todd. Hi, Todd. How are you today? Doing great, Tannis. Appreciate you calling. What's going on with you? Hey, uh, Rush always tells us that he will let us know when it's time to panic. I have a concern that if Bloomberg gets the nomination and he picks Hillary as his running mate, she's going to get all those sympathy votes, all the unregistered voter votes, all the deceased people votes. Yeah, the deceased people. <laughs> so the deceased are busy right now uh, making their minds back up to vote not for Bloomberg but for Hillary. Right. I got that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. uh, look, let me just ask you this. Um, at, at what point has Hillary become likable? Uh, well, I think all the people that voted for her in 2016 would turn out in droves in 2020 and vote for her again. Well, Okay, I see what you're saying. Let me ask you this question. Uh, how, how does America feel about uh, a woman like Hillary who's lost twice, so now she downgrades to run as VP under a man, Bloomberg, who says farmers are stupid, that working a metal lathe is easy, a monkey could do it, that Hispanics don't know how to act in the workplace, etc. ad nauseum with this guy. Right. Right. I mean, how do right. they view that, that um, the, the woman who's a strong, independent female, of course, built her own career, never had anything to do with following Bill's coattails, never at all. She was all an independent, powerful human being. How are they going to look at a uniquely unlikable woman going to work for a uniquely hypocritical man in order to gain an office she thought was hers? Well, she stays with a sexual predator, you know, she's still with him. <laughs> yeah, so. well, that's true. But that's that's bought into her stock. I think that there's enough people who kind of it's 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 like this. Um, let, me, let me put it this way. If you've tried multiple times a restaurant, all well, my friends say it's great. And every time you go there, they you find a rat tail um, in, in your caviar. Right. Well, uh, OK, look, honey, it's just the second time. I mean, so it's a rat tail. It's a smaller tail this time. 
and, and you're going back for a third or fourth time, are you going to go in and just yum-yum the caviar? Are you going to look at this? No, I don't want rat tail anymore. Where, where, where will your right. head be at? You see what I'm saying? Right, right, right. That's my hope. Just a thought, just a wild yeah. thought. I just keep hearing all this stuff about him picking her and yeah. – and, uh... Well, let me let me take your call for a second, and let me jump off of this and give you credit for inspiring uh, the Mike Bloomberg hypocrite rundown. I'm going to do that on your on, on with you as you've led this. You're the cause of this, Tannis. I thank you for the call. Thanks for uh, listening to Russia Show. Appreciate you very much. So, Tannis is saying that Russia is going to tell us when it's time to panic. Let me share some things about Bloomberg that are just waiting in the wings for ads. None other than the New York Times went out and did a full investigation of Mike Bloomberg's eating habits. This is from way back in 2009. Okay, and this is uh, Michael Barbaro uh, of, of the New York Times. I'm quoting. He dumped salt on almost everything, even saltine crackers. He devours burnt bacon and peanut butter sandwiches. He has a weakness for hot dogs, cheeseburgers, and fried chicken, washing them down with a glass of Merlot. His snack of choice, Cheez-Its. They go through talking to his dinner mates, people with whom he dines. This is the guy who banned trans fats. This is the guy who took salt off the tables of New York restaurants. This is the guy who has put up these billboards in, in the subways. Are you pouring on the pounds? Talking about, talking about uh, sodas. And yet, this guy, as they document, pours salt on his popcorn so much so, quoting the piece, that it burns others' lips. At Gracie Mansion, they deliver him popcorn with a salt shaker. There's a manager of a Greek diner where Bloomberg goes who says he puts so much salt on his, uh, on, his, on his bagel that it looks like a pretzel. Now, that's just the salt. My friend, Jason Matera, who's an author, and, uh, and you, I'm sure you've read a lot of Jason's books, Jason had a run-in with Bloomberg in D.C., where Jason had a big gulp and went, hey, hey, Mayor, you want a sip of my uh, soda? And he said, you're, you're against guns, and yet you're surrounded. He counted the seven guards that surrounded Bloomberg at the time. And you can watch the video. They, they rough him up. The, the, these guards are huge, and Jason's I mean, he's a stout guy, but he's a small dude. They rough him up. You can watch it. In fact, one of the things Rush does and was a great innovator in is RushLimbaugh.com. He very kindly puts the stack of stuff, even of, of guest hosts like myself and Mark and Ken, up on RushLimbaugh.com. You could probably go watch that later from Rush's site. So you can see that. So you have that. Then you have, to me, the, the topping grace of all of this. These are custom built for ads. Bloomberg was giving um, a speech, probably a fundraiser. He was at a home in New York City. And he had an AC unit. This, Folks, this is an AC unit you would put in a house window. He had it hung in his mayoral car or SUV with wires coming out from the house. This is Mr. Global Warming is Killing Us. This is Mr. Greta Thunberg. If, if Hillary says no, he's going to magically make Greta a U.S. citizen. Suddenly she's going to be VP. That car was parked out front with the AC running, and a mayoral spokesman, Stu Loser. Is that it? Oh, no, it's got to be Lozier. Stu Lozier. I hope it's not Loser. Um, Stu Lozier, a mayoral spokesman, said, uh, This experiment uh, is to be used on extremely hot days like, like the types we saw last week. Uh, even with the vehicles parked in the shade, the temperatures inside can quickly rise to more than 100 degrees. Oh, 
Oh, wait. So the great man may have to endure a hot car. Well, of course, then you hang an AC unit from your house out there. So my points, my points on panicking about Bloomberg and Hillary is when you add two hypocrites together, you don't end up likable. I beg Bloomberg to pick Hillary. I beg him to do it. We'll see what Al Rushbo says about that when he comes back. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Oh, what a pleasure to fill in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. My name is Todd Herman. And uh, a little later, some words from Rush, just from yesterday's show, Rush on on Barack Obama attempting to take credit for President Trump's economy. Tom Steyer also said uh, that, oh, the economy is not as good as people think. So add that to the robust resume of the Democrats. Tom Steyer, you you have uh, Bloomberg saying farmers are stupid. Working in metal aid, that's really easy. Um, And you have Tom Steyer saying people don't know if they're doing well. People don't know that people in America don't know if they have new jobs. They don't know if their paycheck's gone up. I'm Tom Steyer. I approve this message of, uh, of, of arrogance. Nothing more arrogant, I think, than watching the selective enforcement of laws. And if you see tonight at the debate, I cannot wait for one crack in this sanctuary city thing. This one, one crack in this. Is any of or any of the uh, Democrats brave enough to approach this with some rationality, which would just be this. Are we really picking and choosing the laws we enforce? Is that really the country we want to live in? And again, I just present this to you. How would this work if we did it everywhere? I just Let's just say the state of Texas said, the EPA, you can't come down here. IRS, you don't get to come down here at all. Department of Energy, we're not paying attention. We don't care. We're not going to do anything you say. We are a we, we are sanctuary for freedom state. The New York Times would be saying it's it's the new uh, it's the new civil war, right? It, and and yet the actual states that are rebelling against the union they're they're the ones who are saying no no we refuse to count who comes in we refuse to do this and Pete Mayor Pete Mayor Pete is attempting to maintain his visibility Mayor Pete says and I know he's going to make this point tonight he intends to let illegal immigrants have Medicare so you have open borders you have Medicare let me just ask this question. America is 5% of the world's population. We've taken in 20% of the world's displaced peoples. We're a lifeboat for people. Question, how do you sink a lifeboat? Well, I mean, you could put holes in it. Is there another way? Like overfilling it? Let's talk to Steve in San Jose, California. Steve, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Welcome to the show, Steve. Glad you called. Yep, Steve here, another another frustrated Democrat here in California that's had the epiphany. We had a citizen killed last year, Bambi Larson, by an illegal alien that had previously been convicted for assault on an officer, et cetera, et cetera. The mayor and the police chief and the district attorney all asked for an alteration of our sanctuary policy, but the supervisors, the Santa Clara County supervisors, refused to alter the policy after they had a study done by La Raza, <laughs> and and it's just frustrating because you can't you call them they won't answer the phone, and they want to hide behind this sanctuary policy now. But thank goodness, I guess Judicial Watch has come in and they're going to sue them. But as a taxpayer now, I'm going to have to pay for the folly of not changing a policy that's releasing people back into the community that harm us. And I'm trying to keep I keep asking them who are you trying to protect because a lot of these. Criminal aliens live in the communities with other illegals, 
and they, you know, they feed on them too. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it's very, very frustrating. So let's 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 you and I work together on something here, Steve. Um, why are they doing this? Why are the you Democrats know, doing this? That is even a better question. They call it compassion. They say, well, we want to protect people to come forward so they won't get you know, deported. Well, you tell them, wait a minute, if you live next door to the drug cartel or MS-13, you're not going to go to the cops. You're not worried about being deported. You're worried about the retribution, just like in the Italian days. You didn't inform on the mob. They'd put cement shoes on you sure, or take sure. out your knees. Everybody so- knows that. So let, let's, let's work together on this. Um, you've seen the ads for the census running, right? Are they running those in California? Okay. Don't forget oh, to be counted. Yes. All right. right. So who, who are we not allowed to ask about anymore? Do you remember this? That the uh, judges said, no, no. It, when you're counting people in the country, you can't delineate between legal and illegal immigrants. Isn't that right? Right. And I, okay. I kept asking. I even I, I asked my representative in Congress. I said, well, why should we get more money and more representatives just because we let in more illegals? If I'm a governor of another state, I'm going to send buses down to the border and get more people so I can get more money and go more representation. The, the concept is ridiculous. And, and, and yet and yet it works. So here's here's one of the things we know. Listen, I'll tell you, we're, we're, we're I, I've you know, I'm from Washington State. Uh, we have about, uh, I think it's three to five more congressional seats um, because of illegal immigration uh, than, than uh, the open borders, uh, all in policy of everybody comes in no matter who they are. You're California. You've got more than that. And I would just point out that the federal government is, is filled with perverse incentives. Do you guys have the problem down there where you will be um, driving from work and you'll see empty buses rolling back and forth at midnight? And you're like, why in the name of the Lord is this empty bus rolling around? Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the we've reason got, we've got every problem you have, I know you guys invented the problems, man. I'd like you to just be, um, you know, keep your problems yourself. No, but listen, they're doing that because every time the wheels are rolling, they're paid. That's why they keep doing that. So it's filled with perverse incentives. So I think, I think, Steve, that's why they're doing it. The other, I mean, it wouldn't be that they could be getting any money, let's say, uh, from the hard left, the George Soros left, who is, you know, paying to legalize heroin around the country. Oh, wait, they could be. It couldn't be that you have Mike Bloomberg and George Soros paying off state AGs to put um, liberal progressive so-called prosecutors in these offices. Oh, wait, it could be that as well. It couldn't be that you have Soros who is paying to set up legalized heroin shooting centers in in Vancouver where you've seen overdoses go up 4,000%. Wait, Steve, it could be all these things together. Because you know what it's not? It's not law enforcement. You know what it's not? It's not compassion. As you said, these folks are preying on folks in their own neighborhood. As you said. Like, I don't think anyone wants a violent gangster gone more than the person who's forced to live next door to said violent gangster. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Right. And the only epiphany is that more Californians are leaving and heading towards you. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> the only positive. All right. Thanks. I appreciate that. Hey, if you come up here, you and I, we're on the same team, though. So you come and see me. I appreciate you calling, Steve. Thanks very much. I was uh, down in San Jose, California once. This is a true story. I was down at the um, Museum of Technology. Uh, back in the day, I used to be a tech exec, and I'd raise some money. I was down there with one of my venture capitalists, and we were at the Museum of Technology. And rich people were eating mashed potatoes out of um, big martini glasses. So that was like the ironic consumption of real person food, which is a thing down there. It is. They, they like to ironically consume food that you or I would consider staples. This is a conversation I had with a, a woman down there, a liberal woman, at this uh, museum. Uh, she said, you know, I would really like to help the poor... I just don't know where to find them. 
That's a true statement. If you know San Jose, you just go across the freeway and there's a whole bunch of people there who could use jobs and training. You don't know where to find them. Oh, and she went on all about Democrats and all about what we must do. She wouldn't drive or be driven across the freeway to help. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. So lest you doubt that I've been a lifetime listener to Rush, I'll just say this. Not enough time to be fair with another caller. See, it's look, can you admit something? Is it embedded in you two, uh, the thoughts that we've learned from Rush and uh, some of the points of view and the lessons about liberalism? Coming up next hour, uh, some sounds about Rush uh, just yesterday on the show and his observations about Barack Obama attempting to take credit uh, for the Trump economy. One thing that was born under Obama was Pajama Boy. Do you remember Pajama Boy, the, the ad for the, the guys in his early 30s um, in a onesie, sipping on uh, hot chocolates in mom's basement, but feeling very secure because now he's a grown-up guy. He can have his own insurance because he can stay on mom's until he's uh, 85 years old or something. Was it 25? So there was a company that launched during the Obama economy that, that built, that made onesies for men. Uh, no, this is, seriously, no, they're onesies. And it was called the Rompim outfit. And they went complete with models. And this is, this is I'm going to give the, the president the credit on this. Uh, and maybe just common sense and American common sense. This, this company failed, but there was enough interest in this that this company lasted four or five years. That, and it's not, this isn't long underwear like you would put on if you were actually out working the rigs or the farms, etc., which, of course, Bloomberg lectures us is all stupid work. These were things to not, and no, they're not to wear inside. Did someone asked me to wear inside. No, you were to wear these to work, a onesie to work. So I guess if you hurry, you can still get some of these for some of your Democrat friends. Todderman in for Rush Limbaugh. Oh, what an honor to fill in for Rush Limbaugh to chat with you. I love it uh, to interact with you on the phones at 800-282-2882. It's a phenomenal thing to talk with people around the country and the reach of this program. The reach of this program, what, what can happen on the phones is, is I can mention something. And then Ali, who uh, is right now screening calls, uh, it, it is, it's phenomenal to watch the reach work in ways that other programs can't because they don't have this reach, that we can instantly get people who are experts on a topic or engage in a topic. So love talking to the phones, 800-282-2882. Let me ask this question. What is your most precious possession? Now, Now, ponder that for a second. Please ponder what is your most precious possession. Because, of course, we live in an era where Bernie Sanders wants your money, he wants your house, he wants your life's energy. That is, that he wants to be able to force you to work. That's what, um, that's what free college means, right? You are forced to work on another's behalf. Ultimately, free college means, uh, well, of course, it's not free, but ultimately, it means that professors can be compelled to work. Ultimately, the notion of Medicaid, for instance... Uh, that Pete, uh, Mayor Pete now, he's going to be in the debates tonight. Mayor Pete wants to give Medicaid to all illegal immigrants, everybody plus illegal immigrants, meaning the world, right? So that's a possession where a doctor can be told, well, we can't afford to pay you, but you are going to do the work. So what is your most important, most sacred possession? I'll give you a hint. It is protected by the Bill of Rights. Yes, you're... I should, 
<laughs> I grew up in a pro-gun household. I myself am a gun owner. I have some weapons that I inherited from my father and his father. And, yes, they're very, very important possessions, that, but they're not my most important possession. And I would wager that your most important possession is something the left is coming after. If you look tonight on the debate stage, they're not going to admit, but I want you to watch as there is a common thread with each and every one of these people, all of them to some degree or another wildly dishonest, all of them to one degree or another wildly hypocritical, save one. Well, no, that's not true. Sanders is hypocritical with his three houses and bankrupting of colleges and his million-dollar bank balance. I would suggest to you, in fact, I will state to you, that your most important possession is your conscience because it defines you as a temporal being. Right? So it's the thing I think most closely connected to your soul, your conscience. This is one of the reasons why I was so happy to see Rush win the Medal of Freedom. Because Rush displays his conscience for us every day. And that's a brave thing to do. And when I said it's protected by the Bill of Rights, it's actually recognized by the Bill of Rights. Your freedom of speech is your freedom to express your conscience. Your freedom of association is your freedom to have associations with people as befitting your conscience. Your freedom of religion is a way to exercise your conscience and where your temporal being, that is you as a biological entity, meets you as a soul. So those are very important things, and the left is coming after them. It's no longer just your money. The left is coming after your conscience. Let me give you a couple of examples. In the state of Mississippi... There's a bill been introduced to force homeschoolers to use government-approved courses. So if you're teaching your kids at home, it's probably an act of conscience. So you have now in Mississippi a bill saying, no, you can't employ your conscience at home. We will give you what you will teach your kids. You will do it or you'll be forced, you'll be compelled to put your kids in the government schools. Now, maybe that doesn't sound so bad in the state of Mississippi because maybe they're reasonable about how they teach. But if you look in the state of California, you look in the state of Washington, you look in the state of Oregon, what's being taught to kids is is bizarre. And it's beyond conscience. I guarantee it shocks the conscience. And it's Russia's show, so I want to be very careful. But I'll just tell you, along these West Coast states, in fact, in Scotland, right, it's not just the states. There's a global effort to sexualize kids. And that goes against the parental conscience. And it has to, right? So it's not just now that they want your kids in school. It's that they want to force you to violate your conscience. So if you have to teach the government curricula, yeah, you will have to teach your kids that, hey, if, if, if you can't afford a sex toy, you can use a vegetable. That's something being considered in the Washington state. That's one example that the left is after. What's this all about? Look tonight in the debates. Liz Warren wants a blue new deal because she wants relevance. She also wants your money. She also wants control. You have Mike Bloomberg, who's saying that farmers are stupid, that farming is dumb, that working a metal lathe is easy. What does he want? He wants to eat salt while you can't. He wants guns while you can't have them. He wants armed guards where you can't have them. He wants to cool his car with an air conditioner hung on it from a house, right, on the, on, on the window of his car, when he doesn't want you to have access to this. Well, what does your conscience tell you about cooling your home? What does your conscience tell you about what you eat? Right? It's an attack on your conscience. They also want this. Right? So from your conscience, which I would consider to be your most important possession, a sacred possession, right? your conscience, they also want your hours in the day. This is phenomenal, just phenomenal. I don't know if you live in an area where there's this, this, this ridiculous goal zero stuff. Have you heard of this? You might call it something different in your state. This is the pretense 
that the government is capable of, of, of preventing any and all deaths in cars or pedestrians. By the way, did you know in New York that more pedestrians are killed by people on bikes, bicycles? No, truly, I just read this. More New Yorkers are killed by people riding bicycles than people driving. If you've been in New York, that makes sense because of how some of the bicyclists ride. So goal zero is this thing that's sort of you know nationwide, the left, it's, it's an excuse to squeeze the roads down. It's an excuse to punish you for driving cars. It's an excuse to abuse your mobility. So we go from your conscience, right? This is the, the part of you that's closest to your soul. Now it's your personal mobility. So they don't want you to think as you want. Now they don't want you to move as you want. Los Angeles Times reporter uh, Laura J. Nelson has cataloged the fact that since 2015, Vision Zero in Los Angeles was launched, which was supposed to make things safer for pedestrians, safer for bicyclists. The fatalities have increased by about 33% since they enacted this. There is a, um, there's a, a, a physician, a Mayo Clinic physician, who says it's not just the fatalities from people getting run over. It's the fatalities from people who can't get medical help when they're having a cardiac arrest. He says a one-minute decrease in the call to shock time, meaning to come and shock your heart, increases the odds of survival by 57%. There's an economist, Ryan Fonseca, reported that overall traffic deaths rose 32%. This is in L.A., but get this. Um, The pedestrians killed went up 80%. Because of the central control. But none of this matters. Because as Rush has taught us all these years, the intentions are good. The intentions are good. Therefore, that's what matters. So they're coming for your conscience. They're coming for your movements, your mobility. They're coming for, in fact, your belief in America. There is a uh, so-called doctor, Dr. Justin Frank. Uh, He's a psychoanalyst who's never met President Trump, but is determined by watching President Trump on the TV that President Trump has a God complex, and he's also determined something about you. You are addicted to what he considers the president's outrageous behaviors. You are. You, you are addicted. That's, he's never met you either. Um, but he has said that President Trump, on a fundamental basis, does not believe in America. So now we're back to your conscience. They want to shift what it means to be an American. All of this, as Mike Bloomberg, a billionaire, through his own efforts, let's give him that credit, obviously, As a billionaire says, farming is easy. Anyone can stick a hole in the ground and spit on it and grow acres, 10,000 acres of corn and feed the world. Let's see what Donna in Millville, Pennsylvania, thinks about that. Uh, Donna, you're um, the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Glad you called, Donna. Good morning. Hello. Uh, Pennsylvania, the, the farmers are traditionally Democrat, and they will absolutely just jump away from Bloomberg. They are... Farmers are some of the hardest-working people in the world. They have so much knowledge, and to have Bloomberg say that, that's got to drive them away. Oh, it absolutely has to. Is it, being, um, is it on TV down there? Are you seeing it a lot? So are the farmers going to see this? Is your media, are they focusing on this, Donna? Actually, a lot of the farmers are on social media, and I see a lot of it. Um, I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook, and there are a lot of farmers are my friends, and, and they are absolutely livid over this. There's a woman uh, in eastern Washington who uh, runs a family farm, and they've been in it for three generations. She's invited Bloomberg out for a day. I want to say, you know what, let's just give Bloomberg a blank field 
and some seed and just say, hey, go at it, Mike. Let's, let's see you grow, grow some plants. Now, I appreciate the phone call, Don, and thanks very much uh, for calling Rush's show. The, the degree of arrogance in that, and, and, and this is really, you've seen this. Like, okay, this really bothers me. The Democrats pretend to love the working person, and yet they hate the jobs of the working person. There was a guy who came to my house. We uh, had a problem with our furnace, and, and we called this guy because we were desperate. Everyone else was packed. This guy is basically retired. Folks, he walks into our house, and he sniffs. <laughs> now I got it. I go, what's, what's the problem? And he goes back to the furnace. He goes, there's going to be a belt in here. And that belt has gotten too hot, so it is stretched, and it's running inefficiently from sniffing. And he opens up the furnace, and he goes inside, and he shows me the belt. This man knew this by sniffing the air. And Mike Bloomberg would tell you that's not an acquired skill. That's not intelligence. That's not understanding how. He didn't need to know the model of the furnace because in his mind, he already knew how it worked. I want to see you do that, Mike Bloomberg. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Coming up in just a few minutes, I want you to hear uh, Rush's thoughts from uh, yesterday's show. On <laughs> It's just hilarious. It makes me laugh that Obama is now wanting to take credit for the Trump economy, which is diametrically opposed in every way, shape, matter, idea, faction, or form to the economy of Barack Obama, to the very design of it. Uh, one of the things that I have to be so careful of on the show, and Bo and Al, everybody's just very supportive of this, because I could, I could do three hours about what is being done to Americans on the West Coast. Now, partly because my, my home has been there, partly because I want you to know something, right? So I have to be very careful because this is an international program, right? It's not just national. It's international, troops at sea listening, etc. cetera. Uh, I do want you to know this. There is a movement, and uh, listen, I am not joking about this. There's an, a movement to abolish the police. Now, you'll hear that and say, oh, sure, there's radical. No, it's not. There are, in fact, true discussions of this. There's goals in Washington State and in California, zero youth incarceration. Now, listen, if a kid breaks a law and does something stupid and violent, etc., I want that kid to give a chance at redemption. I am a broken cat. I need redemption every day, God's redemption, right? I do. And kids need that opportunity as well. But when you're talking about, and they are, when you're talking about hardened gangsters who've been involved in, like, multiple stabbings and murders of people— they need to be incarcerated, right? They can be youth all day long, but they need to be incarcerated because they're dangerous to others. It's not just that. The aggression against police officers is now, from the West Coast, endemic. There is a, there is a call to ban cops from certain neighborhoods. There is an effort in some state legislatures to make one mile around the courthouses arrest-free zones. Imagine that. There are efforts, in fact, to create processes by where the cops in a tactical situation have to call you have to call political leadership what do i do i'm in a tactical circumstance all these things pale though in comparison to what's going on in new york city with bill de blasio who briefly tried to run for president so tonight on the debate stage i wonder if any of the democrats any of them will feel the question about policing because of course mike bloomberg was discovered to have said you know back in the day that he likes to, you know, see cops knock people up against walls. So he's taking a beating on that. Meanwhile, you have people on the Democratic Party side saying we shouldn't enforce any laws, 
right, if they're inconvenient for us. Roger uh, from Queens, New York. You're on Rush Limbaugh's program. Roger, thanks for joining us. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush. Hi, Roger. Hi. Uh, I'm a Vietnam vet. Spent a, a year in country, as they'd say, boots on the ground. Yeah. And when I came back, uh, it was, to say it uh, mildly, not a good climate for the uh, Vietnam vets. And basically, uh, everybody took it out on the soldiers for what was not their decision. It wasn't their decision, uh, you know, to be in Vietnam. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the country had like an epiphany, and they started to realize, you know, it's not their fault. It's the politicians that decided on this war. And I'm just waiting for this epiphany to come to the people regarding the police. It's not the police's fault. They're there to help, you know, and I'm hoping that the country wakes up to this and that they realize that they're just a tool that the uh, local governments use to enforce their policies. And, and, and I feel bad for them. Uh, I got a brother that was a cop. My, my nephew is a cop. You know, they're good people, you know, that they're serving the people. And I'm waiting for the people to realize that they're there for them and not to take it out on them. You don't like the policies? Yeah, vote for a different mayor, a, a different governor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me first of all, Roger, start by uh, saying welcome home. Uh, thank you. Welcome home. Thank I think, you. I'm thankful for you. Uh, and let me say also this, uh, what you're speaking of it contains a lot of wisdom. And, and I want to ask you this, and I want to ask it with a great deal of respect. Um, in your estimation, can people who've never been in combat ever truly relate to being in combat? No. They can't. And let me ask no, you this. No. Okay. I can't prior- relate to being black. I can't relate to being gay yeah. uh, because I'm neither one of those two, yeah. and I respect them. I, I just, you know, combat is combat. Is there, before an engagement, when you know it's coming, is, is there a smell, is there a sense that only vets have? Uh, you know, your hair kind of stands up. You know when it's, uh, when you kind of sense some type of danger. And uh, and and it's good. Get okay. the adrenaline flowing. It yep. gets your sense senses heightened, you know. Yep. Um, so I don't want to take you back to a pl- I don't want to take you back to a place that's that's an uncomfortable place. That's not that's not my role, and that's a boundary I want to respect. I asked that question on purpose uh, because I have a friend of mine, Kevin, who's a cop, and I have another friend of mine, Mark, who's a cop, and they will make this point when the authorities want to review these videos. Uh, for instance, uh, there was a case out here, um, West Coast, Seattle, where a guy was running away from the police. He had multiple felonies. He ran away. They asked him to stop. They commanded that he stop. They finally tackled him, and someone yells, gun. And, Roger, the guy had a gun within reach of his hand. He was a very, very big, very strong young man. So it took three or four cops to try to control him, but he wouldn't be controlled. And that gun, Roger, was right by that man's hand. And ultimately, he wouldn't stop reaching, as they saw it. Ultimately, they were forced to take his life. And what my friends have told me, is if you, if you can't look at a video and have the smell or the sense or the feel of a man who is absolutely committed to getting that weapon to kill you, right? And this is one of the things that, that I don't think people 
understand enough that that cops they're they're being the last resort in the in these West Coast cities and in New York they won't arrest criminals they won't deport criminals they legalize meth they legalize heroin you have people out of their minds and, and psychotic and we blame the cops is that is that relatable Roger? Yeah, it's crazy. Then I'll go yeah. a step further. I look at it as, and I was told this by my brother. A policeman tells you to do something, you do it. You can go ahead and sue later. You can do whatever you want, but you go ahead and do it. And when a person is acting illegally, they really take on the responsibility for what actions follow. It it drives me crazy when uh, somebody, and I feel bad for them, you know, somebody uh, tries to hold up a store and then they say later on, well, it was a toy gun. Yep. Okay, yeah. Yep. So you're no. going to make that type of judgment in a split yep. second? Absolutely. Absolutely. Roger, that's a great call. I want to thank you again. I welcome you home again. I'm sorry that you had the experience that you had before. You shouldn't have had that. Great call. And, you know, my friend Marcus told me, look, if we go hand-to-hand, I'm going to put you on the ground in a way that you think you're not going to live because I'm going home. I wonder if any of the Democrats will be asked any questions like this tonight in the debates. I wonder how the answer is. Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Well, thanks for having me, folks. I appreciate it. Team IB, Rush, all of you. It's an absolute honor and always will be to fill in for Rush as the show continues for many decades into the future. I just want to correct something someone said on Twitter that someone said it's uh, hilarious how afraid you are of the left. Uh, no, knowing what you're doing and your plans and the intentions of the people who run the left, not the mainstream Democrats, they don't know. Knowing what the organizers are doing, there's no fear. Why would I fear that? It's the knowledge of what's going on in order to fight back against. I haven't said anything in terms of fear. I want to get to uh, Russia's take on on Obama trying to steal credit for the economy. I want to get to that. A couple other things. Uh, Where do you think the biggest achievement gaps are racially uh, in terms of school performance? What cities do you think display the biggest gaps in performance between uh, African-Americans, white people, Asian people? Because a leftist in Minnesota decided to look into it. And then some Seattleites were pretty shocked about the answer. So we'll get into that. Also, Russia's comments on the economy from yesterday, which are spot on. Want to finish off real quick. Tony from Dayton, Ohio. We're just we're just having a conversation about police officers and the hatred that the left is developing for cops. Legitimate. I'm not kidding. Legitimate efforts to ban police forces, to end policing um, for real in cities like Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. Uh, Tony, Dayton, Ohio. You're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Hi, Tony. Welcome. Thanks. Uh, Quick question. So you were mentioning that there's actually somewhere on the West Coast where they're actually thinking of making a, a police officer contact the local, either the, the sheriff or their politician before they react to a, a crime scene. Yes. My question is, I'm sure you know about the mass shooting that happened in Dayton, Ohio, not too long ago. Of course. Our local police reacted to that in a matter of seconds. I can't imagine what would happen if if somebody had to make a phone call to say, hey, how am I supposed to act, react to this lunatic running around just killing people? Right. Well, I mean, if you just level this up, uh, I just look at what the police are being told to do. Just 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 play this out with me, because I know it seems bizarre in cities like New York and cities like Los Angeles. You have cops who are on the stand down notice in terms of people dealing fentanyl and meth. You have cops who are prevented from going into homeless camps, literally, where they have a suspicion there's someone in there with warrants. We had a, a rapist hiding in the, um, in the camps, two of them up here, hiding in the homeless camps, well known to be there. 
but the civilian authorities won't let the cops go in there. Um, you have a rule. My friend, uh, I have a friend who's a police officer, told me that his city actually removed any and all links to ICE so that they can't even click a link. If a cop wants to get a, an, an illegal alien deported, they, they have to call the customer service number for ICE that you would have to call. So take it down now to the level of tactics. You now have people saying um, that a cop, you know, that people who've never been in that circumstance saying, here's the rules on when a cop should draw a gun or shouldn't. And they're not law enforcement officers, so they've never done that. So it makes logical sense to them that, hey, why don't we just solve the problem and have the cops just call us before they make an infield decision? It's, it's bizarre. And yet you're exactly right, Tony. What would have happened? What would have happened in that case if they had to call the authorities? What would have happened, Tony? I, I mean, they, they got truly recognized the way they should have. It, it, it literally was a matter of, it was less than 15 seconds, I think, this pretty yeah. went on. I, I, I just can't, that's just I, so outlandish for someone to even think that someone should have to make a phone call to react to something like that. That, that was the only point I wanted to make. No, I think it's a great point, Tony. I appreciate you calling Russia's show. Thank you very much. Uh, just one other point in this. I, I really want to get back to the debates and the economy and these achievement gaps because it's important that we, uh, I was going to say lock and load, that's probably a bad phrase, that we get ready for the debates tonight. Just just one other point. I want. I, I, we'll take a call from Mike here real quick, and then we're going to refocus on the debates. I want to, I want to tell you something real quick. Uh, an interaction a police officer, West Coast City, told me about. He came upon a, a dad and a son. A homeless guy had stolen the, the son's bicycle right in front of them. Literally said, I'm taking this and walked away. And the dad said, hey, that's my son's bike. And the guy turned around and said, don't come near me. I'll kill you. And they, have, they had it on video. So it happens that my friend was driving by in uniform in the marked car, gets pulled over by the citizen, says, here's the video. Here's what happened. And my buddy says, where is he? He says, he's in that motorhome. So my buddy goes to knock on the motorhome door, and he calls it in. And he's told, he's told by the leadership that the ACLU considers that motorhome a home. You can't knock on the door. But my buddy said, I got probable cause. They didn't want him to do it. They did not want him to enter the home. They did not want him to knock. He had video. So he goes back to the, um, goes back to the, the people whose bike were stolen and says, hey, listen, let me talk to you. And it goes like this. He says, wait, do you hear someone calling for help in the RV? And the dad says, no, I don't. He goes, and my buddy says, listen to me real close. Do you hear someone calling for help in the RV? And the guy goes, oh, yeah, that guy calling for help. That gave my buddy the excuse to go into the RV just to get the bike back. He got, he got so close to being written up for that. That's what cops are dealing with. This is, here's the thing my wife says about the left. My wife is perfectly right. There's no ceiling and there's no floor. There's always more they want. They want your conscience. They want your money. They want your commute. Now they want your safety in the form of they, they can't go far enough in restraining cops. Mike in Charlotte, South Carolina, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Mike. Hello, Todd. How are you? Doing great, Mike. Appreciate you calling. What's going on? You bet. I, you were uh, making a point earlier about uh, children not being held accountable for their actions. If you look at the news yesterday, unfortunately, you have two young 13-year-olds who were arrested in Porterville, California, for setting a library on fire. And they killed two firefighters yesterday. One died, the other one is still missing, and they're still looking for his body at this point. Now, you're telling me that one of the, that they, well, you're not telling me, but the liberals are telling us that these children should not be punished? They should not be put away for those crimes? They just took two firefighters who dedicated their lives to the community and to America, 
from and, the family. And it's horrific. And yes, Mike, I am telling you, with with my hands to the God Almighty, that's what's being considered and, and pitched out here. And I want to be perfectly clear. There's something wrong with two 13-year-olds who did that. I want to be perfectly clear. they got to be punished. they got to be put away. they got to have a chance at redemption. I'm, let's find out a way to make them okay. Psychiatric treatment, long stays, etc. Because they're kids. If there's a way to turn them around, let's do it. But get them off the streets. And, Mike, I'm telling you, hand to God, what is coming from the left coast? If you guys aren't paying attention to the left coast, you don't know the experiments that are being run. Zero youth incarceration is exactly that. It's a mantra here. There's a lady who ran on uh, it's mayor on that. It's the same thing in, in Portland. Mike, in Portland, you have, you have literal street gangs of Antifa beating people up, and the cops are told to watch. And they've said, I've heard the police say to a guy who was chased down the street by people who wanted to assault him, that we're not going to help you. Police saying we're not going to. And it's because um, Ted Wheeler there, the mayor in Portland, Oregon, he doesn't want that. He is, he's a fan of the left. This stuff is coming to you, Mike. That's why I'm saying that. I appreciate the phone call. Thanks uh, for calling Russia's show. See, see, this is the thing. i got to wind myself back down because I can do this all day long. And there's a debate coming up tonight that's very, very important. One of the things I want to point out um, is that the left tonight, and you watch. We're going to come back and get into Russia's words on this. You watch what they're going to attack now. Now, we talked about their conscience. They want your conscience. They want your commute. They want your time. There's something else that they want. And if you watch the debate tonight, you're going to watch this. They're running against you. They're running against your perception. Tom Steyer's out saying the economy's not good, even though you feel it's good. They're running against you. You have Liz Warren, who's coming out and saying that the Green New Deal's not enough. We need a Blue New Deal. She's running against your intelligence. I'm sorry, the Green New Deal, the most sweeping redistribution of cash ever under the guise of helping the environment. That's not enough. That's not going to help the oceans. They forgot the oceans in that, so they're running against you. You have Bloomberg running against you and your freedom to do what he does. You have Pete, Mayor Pete, running against your pocketbook saying, I will open up Medicaid to all illegal aliens. And we took a call earlier from a 100% disabled vet He's a month from, he he can't get in to see the new VA because he's moved for a month. And Pete wants to open up this to the rest of the world. So we come back. I want you to hear Russia's take on, uh, on, on Obama trying to take credit for the Trump economy and some other ways that conservatism actually helps. Lots to get to. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. That's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Such a pleasure to chat with you at 800-282-2882. So tonight you're going to (laughs) watch the Democrats on stage running against you and even your perception of the economy. Tom Steyer says, they don't know what you're talking about. Your brother, he's got a job. Brother-in-law's got a job. Sister's got a job. You got a new job. The economy's coming up. You got a pay raise. Your company has access to capital. All of a sudden, capital's available when it wasn't. Yeah, you got the tax cuts that have allowed you to reinvest in R&D versus going and lobbying for tax cuts. You're all stupid. There's no improvement in the economy is what Tom Steyer tends to say. He's already, uh, he's already transmitting that. Uh, and, of course, Barack Obama is coming out to take credit for an economy that, that he said that these plans would destroy the world. And this is Obama taking credit for Trump's economy. This is Russia's take on this from yesterday's show. Uh, do I have this right, folks? It looks like Barack Obama is endorsing the Trump economy by asking to take credit for it or claiming to. But if Obama's out there saying that this is his economy, then he's endorsing it, right? Now, Obama had nothing to do with this economy. Anybody lived through the Obama years knows it, and we're going to demonstrate it today. 
We've got the audio sound bites of Obama telling people in Ohio, your jobs are not coming back. Of Obama saying, what's he going to do? Just wave a magic wand? Where's he going to get these jobs coming back? Obama didn't think this was possible. <laughs> Obama didn't even want this kind of economy. Remember, Obama and his buddies were talking about a new era of decline that only uh, courageous leftists were capable of managing. And so now all of a sudden, Obama wants c- credit for this economy. What's this about? Why does Obama care all of a sudden? And does Obama realize what he's doing here? Obama is endorsing Trump's economy. He's not bashing it. He's asking to be given credit for it. Making the complex understandable since, what, the existence of the show. There's one more. Uh, Rush points out that Obama wanted this way back in November 28th of 18. Barack Obama, wherever he goes, is trying to claim credit for all of the good that is happening Primarily in the U.S. economy. But wherever it is, Obama is asking people, I want you to remember where it started and who to thank. That's right. I want you to say thank you. He's saying this stuff to people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can get more of that at RushLimbaugh.com where the archives of the show exist uh, for the uh, Museum of Broadcast History. You got that. So here's here's something that I want to point out about what happens when people get sucked into the vortex of the left. Um, there are people, and this I think this delineation is important because it helps us win elections. I do. I think this is very important. You have your old-fashioned Democrats uh, that you know, and, and they, they're just they're ethnically Democrat, meaning that it's just always been that way. So they don't know why they're Democrat. They're ethnically Democrat. You have people who are Democrats because they are still buy the myth that the Democrats are for the working people. That stuff's going to go away. It can't last with Bernie Sanders. It can't last when they see the results of socialism. It can't last with a guy like Bloomberg, who hates the working person, considers them stupid. But when people get sucked into the vortex of the left, they have to start passing some virtue signaling tests. Let me give you an example of this. So Jeff Bezos. Now, I don't know. I mean, I've met Bezos briefly. I don't know him. I don't want to pretend to know him. I've met him briefly, so I have no idea his politics. I can guess... And I think they're becoming very, very left-leaning because Bezos himself is visibly getting sucked into this vortex. And by that, I mean moving to Hollywood. By that, I mean buying a $165 million home. By that, I mean getting these pictures taken in leather pants, etc. Midlife crisis, fine. Jeff's business, his money, not my concern, except for this. Bezos is going to give seven, no, is it $10 billion? $10 billion, I think, to, uh, to fight the weather. Uh, pardon me, the, uh, the, the catastrophic climate change. So where this is going to end up going when we get sucked into the vortex of the left is this is just the, the charge, this is just the admission fee. So, Jeff, you want to be a member in good standing of the Wokerati, then you're going to give that money to the same entities who are saying that, yes, we could, we could, we could help the climate by planting trees, but not in America. Remember the Kyoto Protocol? And the, the this notion that only in the only in the developing worlds is it okay to plant trees to help the environment? Not in America. Sure, Africa and China they can plant trees, but not in America. America, we need your cash because your trees don't, in fact, bring oxygen back into the environment. Apparently, so he's going to be told he has to give this money to the same political entities that have nothing to do with the environment. They're the same ones who pretend that man-made hydropower doesn't harm, doesn't produce methane gas. It does. 
a brand new dam or a new dam produces methane gas at higher rates than you would get out of cows. They'll just, no, let's not pretend. Let's pretend the batteries in Teslas, those aren't a problem. Let's be okay with people flying to Paris for the, uh, the climate talks in private jets, th- those groups. Imagine this. Imagine if Jeff Bezos decided to spend $10 billion on an innovation fund. Imagine that. Imagine if Bezos said, okay, I, I, I'm going to pretend to believe, or maybe I really believe that there's a climate catastrophe. He could go back, this kid who created this device to get plastics out of the oceans, he could go back these devices that are taking the carbon that comes out of the, of the stacks, of smokestacks, of factories, puts it into the ground and makes useful bricks of it. He could back that. He could back a huge number of initiatives, and who knows more? about using tech than Jeff Bezos. But when you get sucked into this vortex, all of a sudden you are now believing that everything is payable by political means or everything is fixable. I don't think Bezos believes that. I think Bezos is now abused of the notion that becoming part of the Wokarati is somehow a path to happiness or sustainability for him. I find it quite sad because he could do a lot if he actually did what he does. It's uh, Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Uh, let's go real quick here to Art in Dallas, Pennsylvania. Art, you're on Rush's show. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Art. Hi, Todd. I uh, just wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, you know, as you know, Pennsylvania, surprisingly, to the Democrats, was carried by Trump in uh, the last election. I'm in Luzerne County, uh, which was actually uh, a very highly Democratic county that uh, Trump won overwhelmingly, and it actually put him over the top between Luzerne County, Lackawanna County. Things look good. Democrats are switching to Republican, and Ooh. Republican registration is way up. I love it. And I got to believe that Mike Bloomberg's comments that farmers are stupid, that's probably not going to help the Democrat cause. Pennsylvania. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of smart farmers in Pennsylvania. Listen, that, that comment is just so it's, – it's prototypically the Democrat Party at this point. I appreciate the update, Art. That's just – it's really, really good to know that. And thanks for calling Russia's show. It's, 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 it's important to recognize something, that what's, what Bloomberg says there, um, it, it is – you know what it is? It's the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's, it's also the high estimation of one's own intelligence, which Bloomberg definitely has in, you know, in, in total. But the soft bigotry of low expectations, it communicates why Bloomberg, who, according to the New York Times, pours salt on pizza and movie popcorn and sucks things down with four or five cups of coffee a day when he runs billboards telling everyone else, you should only, um, you should only drink water. That's, that's Bloomberg. See, the soft bigotry of low expectations is you need Mike. Mike's constitution, he can handle all that, but you can't. Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh. What a pleasure and an honor to fill in for Rush Limbaugh and to chat with you at 800-282-2882. And I mean that on both counts. And if you've heard me fill in for Rush before, you've heard me talk about how much uh, he has meant and will continue to mean in my life. Uh, And also to chat with you to get a viewpoint from around the country. There's not a time when I do Rush's show when we don't talk to folks on the phones where I don't step out and then I want to go tell people. I want to go say, oh my gosh, did you? And in fact, I did it. I texted my wife today uh, and said, honey, did you hear the call that we took with the veteran? And my wife said, yeah, it was a great call. Sad what's being done to people. So love talking with you. Um, When I worked at the Republican National Committee uh, for that uh, almost two years, I agreed to do one term uh, as the chief digital strategist. 
There's a bunch of things I learned. There are tremendously talented people uh, who are very, very committed. I have a friend, um, uh, well, I have a number of friends. I won't embarrass them by mentioning them on the air by name, who are very committed cause people, that is, committed to the conservative cause, committed to the idea of being a small government, big person person, restraint on governance. In other words, the actual ideas, principles of conservatism, as Russia's communicated through all these years. There are, though, a majority of people there who do not share that same commonality. They, they don't share that same, they're there, they, they call themselves a member of the Green Party. Not, not the environmentalists, but the money party. Consequently, what I see happening with the left is that the left captures territory, and then they tactically move from without that ter- territory. Think of the example of Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is becoming Portland, Oregon, is becoming San Francisco. And by the way, no offense to the folks of Austin. I I know that lots of people there don't want that, but by virtue of liberals being imported, it's happening. And this is what the progressives do, is they grab territory and then they expand. It's military, the way they do it. And they use the same techniques everywhere. It is racial division. There there are city council races. You've probably seen this. Uh, Obviously, I don't know where you live, but you've probably seen this. Where all of a sudden, your city council races are about racism, and they're about Trump. City council races. City councils are inert objects in relation to anything to do with the president. They can't stop anything. They can't propel anything. But they use the same techniques. So one of my frustrations is when I was in D.C. was saying, why do we, why have we given up like on some of these areas? Why don't we exact a cost at least? Why don't we at least get in the battle? And Rush spoke of this on yesterday's show mentioning the fact that President Trump is in California. And who called that? This is from yesterday's Rush Limbaugh program. By the way, you know where Trump is? Trump is at Joint Base Andrews. And do you know where Trump is going? Trump is going to California. Do you know what Trump is going to do in California? Trump's going out to make a campaign appearance in California. Can I take you back to June 11th of last year on this program? Audio soundbite number 13. This is me. June 11th, 2019, on this program. I think Trump ought to start going to California. I think he ought to go there once a month. I think the Republican National Committee ought to schedule a debate in California. I think the campaign should have ads showing and highlighting the homelessness in downtown Los Angeles and pointing out that this is what happens when Democrats run things with no opposition, no checks, no balances. He's going to California. Once again, your host, instrumental in the policy of one of the most popular presidential administrations in our lifetimes. Here's Kevin McCarthy last night with Laura Ingram on Fox. Question, are you going to raise a lot of money with the president? We're going to raise money, but we're also going to go there and talk about water. One of the most critical things in California. Show a real contrast. The pendulum has swung too far. These Democrat policies have made homelessness the number one issue. Absolutely. You know what got me started on this? When the Democrat primary began back last summer, homelessness in California, Los Angeles, was the rage. It was big news because Skid Row was out of control. There were, there were third world diseases that were diseases we have cured that were showing up again. And, and the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, got all mad that no Democrats running for president were comment on the homeless problem. And I said, Garcetti, they're not going to. It's your problem. You're on your own, buddy. They're not going to blame themselves. They're not going to call out that this is a Democrat problem. 
And that's what I said. Trump ought to go. Trump ought to go and let it be known this is what happens when Democrats run things with no opposition. With no checks and balances, this is what happens. So he's going to do it. I'm happy to see it. See, this is uh, to hear Rush point this out, and this explains once again what some people don't get about the president. They don't get about Trump is this fight. It was so frustrating to say, wait, why do we let the left take these these arenas and hold them and then expand? So to go into California forces the press to follow the president. One tweet from the president about the water situation in California forces them to respond to that. One tweet from the president saying, wait a minute, why have we allowed Puget or is it uh, Pacific Gas and Electric to to completely ignore the, the, the safety procedures and infrastructure in the mountains and lead to these fu- uh, these fires? Well, answer, because the federal government pays pays utilities to build central offices. They don't pay the utilities to provide enough support for the infrastructure. So when you can go into these areas and point this stuff out with the attention that the president of the United States brings to this, you provide these alternatives. And the American people are ready for alternatives. We are winning on so many fronts. Let me give you a couple of examples of of this win. There's a recent poll. I want to thank the guys at uh, Powerline Blog for pointing this out to me. Um, and what to expect coming up. This is a Gallup poll. The people who are feeling optimistic about the economy in 2020. Let me read to you the groups of people who are feeling optimistic about the economy. You got uh, ages 18 to 34. You got non-whites. You got Republicans, high school or less, male. You get ages 35, 54. You have independence, 76%. You have some, some college. You have whites, females, college graduates, age 55, and Democrats at 60% feeling good about the economy. Ages 18 to 34, 89%. Now compare that with what you're going to hear tonight in the debates. Compare that. And please, someone bring this up. Please bring this up, as this is the Republican, uh, this is the, the outcome of the Trump economy. There is literally, and I'm not making this up, there's a Senate candidate who is running for office with a guillotine as her logo. It, it's No, it's a guillotine as in the things that were used to cut people's heads off in France. And she's, I don't want to say her name because I don't want to have the attention. I'll tell you she's running against Susan Collins. She says that it's not so much she wants to cut people's heads off yet. (laughs) We're not ready to put you up against the wall and cut your heads off yet. That's a little off of the future. She's behind the Bernie bros. The Bernie bros who are on staff saying, yeah, the gulags, they weren't as bad as people think. They were just re-education camps. Is this going to come up in the debates? Will anybody ask Bernie about, hey, Bernie, you know, aside from the guys fist fighting at your events the other day, which was very entertaining because neither of them knew how to fist fight, are you okay with your staff members saying, we should probably kill people if they don't agree with you? Are, is that, are you cool with that? Is that going to come up? Compare the optimism from the Trump economy to people just saying, I, I need a guillotine in my ad. There's no floor. There's no ceiling on the left, as my wife has pointed out. Now, compare this. State of Virginia was going to pass sweeping gun control, right? With their gerrymandered voting districts, etc., with their in the beltway, just surrounding the beltway, they're going to pass gun control. It failed. Somehow this is defeated in Virginia. How? Because the people came to the Capitol and said, we won't have this. Right? So we are winning on so many fronts. Let me compare this. Mayor Pete tonight. 
Mayor Pete is going to tout his morality because he's saying now that his marriage is doesn't involve infidelity, etc. So he's going to tout this. This is what Mayor Pete's going to do. Mayor Pete, what is the morality exactly of you ignoring an abortionist who hoarded, uh, what is it? It turns out to be more like 2,600, 2,600 uh, bodies of aborted children in his yard. You've ignored that, Mayor Pete. Why is that? Why was that not looked into? Why were there not inspections to say, wait a minute, as you're killing these children, where are you putting the bodies in, in Mayor Pete's South Bend, Indiana, when you were this great mayor? Why was that not looked into? Incidentally, we're winning on this front as well. Vice.com, who from time to time actually does some good work, is forced to lie. They wanted to cover the Republicans' attempt to pass the Born Alive After Abortion Bill. This is a bill that would, would, would crazy. It's craziness. It would protect children who survive an abortion attempt. Just madness. Why would you want to do that? Well, because they're children and because they survived. And you know what Vice said? Vice said, this is a quote. Are babies born after failed attempts at abortions? Are babies often born after failed attempts at abortion? No. No? Uh, gosh, I wonder if they would like to talk to Gianna Jensen. Uh, Jenna Jessen about this, who actually survived a saline abortion and represents other people who are abortion survivors who would sort of like to have a law that would like have them cared for as human beings. Do you see the winds? And this comes from being on offense. And that's why what Rush said yesterday, in my humble estimation, who am I to say what's important with Rush says? But that's why, as a listener to Russia's show, I hear this statement about Trump being in California, and it brings it to the table. It's about being in the battle. We come back. I want to share with you the point of view of someone who has listened to Mike Bloomberg say that farmers are stupid. You dig a hole in the ground. You pop a seed in there. What if we could talk to someone who actually knows farming? We'll do that. We come back on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in on the EIB Network. So I've been thinking about uh, Rod Blagojevich. I just a thought occurred to me. I'm going to share this before the show wraps up today. <laughs> Something just occurred to me. I don't think the left is uh, is prepared for an eventuality here. Uh, don't like Blagojevich, but man, uh, you want to talk about a chess game? I, I'll just I'll, I'll just tease it this way and get back on the program uh, schedule. He's he's free to say what he wants to say. <laughs> Rod Blagojevich is free to draw diagrams of the Democratic Party. That's all I'm going to say. The debate is coming up tonight. Mike Bloomberg is going to be, everybody's going to go at him about this farming thing. And they're going to go at him of saying farming is easy. He read a book on it once, therefore it's simple. He knows how to do it. He can teach you how to farm, is what Bloomberg says. What I, I, I wonder about is I look on the stage, who up there is less arrogant than him? Honestly. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard's gone. I don't want her to be president, but she might be the only person less arrogant. Mayor Pete's going to pretend he's probably, you know, helped farmers on a day-to-day basis. Liz Warren may come out and say, I'm actually a farmer. <laughs> I can see Liz Warren saying, no, I, I, I was bailing, I was bucking hay bales last night. Alfalfa, in fact, it's a lot heavier. It's wet. I was doing that, driving the combine. I could, we know my family, we come from a hunter-gatherer background. Right. Yeah. Oh, hunting. Sure. I, I, I shot a deer just in back in the debate room. In fact, I'm hanging it up there. We're, we're piecing it out later. So I could see them all trying to do this. But Bloomberg is the one who said these things about farming being for simpletons. Basically, let's talk to D 
New York City. Uh, D, welcome to the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Totterman filling. I'm glad you called, D. What's going on? Uh, thank you kindly. I agree with you. Both the arrogance on that stage and the ignorance on that stage related to those comments about farmers. So I happen to have a medical degree, but my family, um, it, most of them are in farming. And when I go back to visit them and I have the pleasure and the opportunity to be introduced to what farming looks like today, the level of sophistication in the equipment that they use, uh, my family happens to have a lot of vineyards, how the harvesting process is completely automated, how they age under the ground in these highly sophisticated, inside this highly sophisticated equipment. To hear a guy like that from New York, and, and I'm among those people now in New York, right? Um, but to hear him speak of farmers like you plant a seed in the ground, it really does speak to the level of disconnect that he has with the people, the level of ignorance that perhaps his affluence has afforded him. It's really sickening. My medical degree is not enough to understand current modern-day farming practice. How about that? No, and see, this is so refreshing to hear because you are trained, and I don't know your specific degree, but you're trained to solve puzzles in the human body. You're trained to find a path which is the least invasive, least harmful way to, to correct a problem that's gone wrong with the body, assuming that you're biological, not psychiatric. But you're trained to do these things, and farming is very much the same way. I, I would challenge you to think back to farmers prior to the tech that we have now you come upon a forested piece of land. That's the land you got in the auction. This is what you have. You have a river. You've got some sources for water. But there's rocks. There's, there's trees. Where do you start? Where does it go? Where does the sun hit it in the right way? How do you, in fact, then prevent the winds from getting in it? How do you, in fact, then prevent the deer and elk and moose and other animals from coming in and pillaging what you have? How do you do this and then differentiate your crop? How do you take a strain of a crop? Well, we've got really great corn this year. Okay, how do we keep that and have really great corn the next year? What do you do when it hails as the crops just before they're picked? What do you do then? How do you manage those finances? Or this, D, um, you, know, you, think of a, you think of a farmer that comes along, he's a, he's a cattle farmer, and he says, you know what, that cow's going to get sick. How do you know? Because I can see the cow. I can look at the cow and say, that cow is not well. We need to help the cow. It's, not, I, I, it's a different discipline, but it's not that different, is it, from being a smart doctor looking for the least invasive, most helpful way to help a patient, right? You're absolutely right. And the evolution, to speak to what you just said, there's so much uh, in, in what you just said. You could do, as a farmer, you could plant the same crops every year, and you potentially face a different challenge with the same process every year, and there's so much ingenuity and problem-solving that has evolved that I would actually make the opposite argument. When you're writing code, right, you know the solution to X is Y and the solution to Y is Z. You know what the algorithm is. You could figure it out. When you're farming, there is no algorithm. What you face this year could potentially be entirely unique from what you faced in previous years or previous seasons. So that comment, not that he hasn't said many other ignorant comments, right? <laughs> this is just, I guess, he's an equal opportunity insulter uh, by including the farmers here now, not just the minority communities and et cetera. 
So you're absolutely right. So I think that he gets his due from the other arrogant candidates on the stage today. Not that I support any of them, of course, because I'm conservative. Uh, but it's, um, I hope he really does get his due and he gets out of this thing sooner rather than later. Because, frankly, he's showing his true colors. All the money in the world, apparently it doesn't buy you any sort of true sophistication. No, that's, that's absolutely that's absolutely true. Dee, thanks for the call. I appreciate that uh, very, very much. Thanks for calling Rush's show. One other thing I would bring up, and, and, and Dee, we didn't get a chance to talk about this. I bring this up. This is missed attention. Did you hear Bloomberg talking about his mom? This is, this is just an incredible piece of audio where Bloomberg is uh, speaking to a crowd of, I think, fellow elitists. I can tell by sort of the way they laughed. And he said that, you know, I was talking to my mom. And she was playing this board game. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm beating the help because we had the servants. I don't think he said servants, but we had the help helping her play the game. And I said, Mom, Mom, th- they're our servants. They work for us. They're never going to beat you in a game. And everyone's laughing. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, of course the help's not going to beat you at Scrabble. They're the help. Mike, could you take five minutes and play a game with your mom? Or what, you got to go out and get the hourly rate wage, Mike? You're busy earning the hourly rate. You can't get a day off work. Do you know that there are services that rich people use? I'm not kidding. To It's, it, it's literally outsourced to India to have people call and uh, pretend to be their kids when their parents are on in years. I'm not kidding. I could find this. For, I think it's called Your Man in India. What if that still exists? I know that was a service at one time. I could see Bloomberg using that. His mom hasn't seen him in years. So it's just someone with an Indian accent on the phone saying it's Mike Bloomberg. Lots to get to. Want to get a bunch of your phone calls in on Rush's show. It's Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. And back to you on the phones at 800-282-2882. Appreciate it. It's not even, it's impossible for me to state. I'm paid to talk. And I, I cannot state um, in enough emphasis how much of an honor it is to fill in for Rush in every way, shape, matter. Idea, faction, form, as Rush might say. Uh, there is, you know, this, these 2,000 former DOJ people who are up in arms calling an emergency meeting because the president tweeted uh, about the, the Justice Department and about the case uh, with McCabe and Barr, et cetera. You know this. So 2,000 people used to work for the DOJ. They're up in arms. It's a terrible catastrophe. It's an emergency. So you know how the left, when President Trump was elected, they banned whataboutisms. So they invented the phrase whataboutism. You're not allowed to talk about the past. Only the present. You can't compare Trump to anyone else. You can only focus on the present. Okay, fine. I like whataboutisms. Here's why. Because it tells me if you are a truthful person. That's why. So to these 2,000 former DOJ members... I can tell you right now, you are only concerned because this is Trump, period. You didn't give a darn about Eric Holder being under criminal contempt and civil contempt. You didn't care that Eric Holder's DOJ took illegally obtained donor information from the IRS and used it to harass and intimidate donors to Republican causes. You didn't care. You didn't care about the DOJ going after journalists, treating them like spies. You didn't care about that. You didn't care about Fast and Furious, um, the, uh, the gunwalker operation, where Eric Holder decided, ah, let the cartels have a bunch of guns from American gun stores and take them over the border. We still don't know the motive on that, although we can guess. You didn't care. You don't care that Mike Bloomberg is paying to install attorneys general you know, you know, assistant attorneys general across the country. He is paying to put attorneys 
into government offices where he writes the checks, but he wants an, a, an agreed-upon outcome. They are there to push climate control. They're there to push the theory that there's a climate catastrophe coming, so Mike Bloomberg needs to run your entire life. Mr. I put an air conditioner from a house on my car window when I'm in giving a speech so my car is crispy and cool when I come out. You DOJ people don't care about that at all. All those factors indicate to me you are only doing this because it's Trump. Because none of those other things mattered to you. There was no emergency meeting around Gunwalker or Fast and Furious. None of that. Let's talk to Wally in Tampa, Florida. Wally, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Wally. Well, Todd, we have that going on here in Hillsborough County. We had a Republican uh, state's attorney who was a great guy, and he got bombarded by a former Democrat uh, prosecutor, uh, federal prosecutor, and it was all funded by George Soros. They came in with big, big dollar campaigns and Eric Holder in his redistricting process that he's going on because I got moved out of a Republican district into a Democrat district. Yes, exactly. And, and to top it all off, it's all in the city. All these people moving into the city, the county kept the Republican, but the, the inner city and the city put the uh, Democrat uh, state's attorneys in office. And they're, they're doing it in other places, too. County commission, city council. And you know what's you know what's phenomenal, Wally? It's you're you're having the same experience that we're having on the West Coast, etc., of having these paid for attorneys general or assistant attorney generals brought in, brought into city positions as well. We've got this going on, and the the media they're not curious at all. Who is George Soros? Why is he installing? Why is he literally paying for attorneys to work um, in these offices? Why is Mike Bloomberg allowed to do this? You, you are talking about people who claim that Trump's emolument clause thing, that's a big deal because someone stayed at his hotel. But they're not talking about buying literal laws and literal attorneys general. They'll ignore that. So that's that, correct. Yeah, that's correct. And not to interrupt, Todd, but they're also doing that. Eric Holder's on this 11, 11 state redistricting campaign because he's because I got friends of mine in other states up in Ohio and they're up there doing it right now. Right. And, and the lack of curiosity on this, it tells you everything you need to know about the media. And the lack of concern about this being done tells you everything you need to know about these 2,000 careerists at the DOJ. They did not care. They do not care unless the name is Donald John Trump. Wally, thanks for the call. I appreciate that very much. Uh, thanks for calling Russia's show. One other thing that, that is just maddening in, as, all, as all get out is the fact that these AGs, they are brought on with a specific outcome in mind. And I would like to know one day, I would like to know because it's hard to find out, I would like to know how many people have been bought into the open borders thing. Because you've watched this transformation. All of a sudden, there's this transformation. So we know Bloomberg is placing AGs to have a climate change outcome. We know that George Soros is, is placing attorneys in these offices to have outcomes on drug legalization. We know that George Soros is funding drug legalization and heroin shooting sites, etc. We know about that in Canada. We're guessing he's doing it here as well. It's a guess. It's, it's, I, you know, my, my, it's, it's documented in some degree in Vancouver, Canada. So we know these things are going on. No curiosity from the press. So I'd like to know how many people have been bought into positions where they're refusing to enforce immigration laws, right? Because all of a sudden there's this switch that we're just not going to do that. Doug from Hamilton, New Jersey, been on hold a very long time. Thanks for being so steadfast, Doug. Welcome to the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman filling in. Hey, there's a commentary on this. Uh, Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L on Google. 
Okay, thanks very much. Uh, let's go now and just examine one other aspect to this. Let's examine one other aspect to what is going on in tonight's debate. One of the things that I want to know is how who will be the most effective at hitting at hitting Mike Bloomberg on the arrogance of what he said about farmers. We talked with Dee earlier. She's a medical doctor, comes from a farming background. I want to know, is it going to be Warren? Is it going to be Mayor Pete? Someone has got to draw blood on this, uh, figuratively speaking, with Mike Bloomberg. Let's talk to Mark in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, Mark, you're on the uh, Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you doing? Um, hey, a good friend of mine from high school, 30 years, he's been in the ag business. He sells fertilizers. He helps farmers harvest. They spray the fields. They do agronomy test on the fields. They, ho- they do over 100,000 acres of farmers. And they, he showed me maps where they take soil tests because every year the soils can vary in how much fertilizer they need in order for the crop to be good. But then they're not done with that. They help them put the fertilizer down. And then if, like, the elements or the rain or whatever, uh, hail, whatever, can damage the crop or they can't get the crop out, it might saturate that field to the point where next year it's going to be totally different, where it might need less or more. It's just amazing the ignorance that Mike Bloomberg spouts off about stuff he has no idea what he's talking about. No, and you know, it, it, this, I want to be super careful here. Super, super careful. Because uh, I do not, I, I just, I don't body shame. I just don't. Um, I have, <laughs> this is hard to say. I've got a lot of friends who are short. I, I do. I, I come from a wrestling background. I got a lot of friends who are short in stature. This actually puts to me some truth to the idea that Bloomberg is bothered by his height. Because unless you've got some deep hole in yourself or there's some deep bit of insecurity, you don't go around pretending that because you read a book, you know, while sitting on an airplane or an article in the in in uh, in New York Times weekend, that you know how to farm. Like that goes to a very deep hole in the ego. Isn't that your experience, Mark? When someone will say something like that, that they're coming from a perspective of deep, deep weakness and self doubt. Well, just knowing what he had to go through in getting his degree and then becoming uh, in the ag business, it's, an, it's incredible because yeah. they have so many variables that they have yep. to learn in order to make the farmers successful. Yep. So, yep. I couldn't agree more, Mark. Thanks for the call from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I appreciate it. it tonight, uh, here's the bet uh, that I'm going to take on the debate. Which moderator will actually ask Bloomberg? I, I want... <laughs> Sorry, it's not my job to amuse myself. But can you imagine one of the uh, moderators saying, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, I have in front of me a chart that uh, determines the correct nitrogen cycle of a, um, of a cornfield at 10,000 acres located at uh, this specific location in the United States. Uh, can you explain the nitrogen cycle of a cornfield at this exact position, as is. By the way, where is this? This longitudinal uh, at uh, this longitudinal point on the map. Love to see that. See, I don't even know farming. I grew up around this. Todd Herman in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. Oh, it's Todd Herman. Uh, it's been just an incredible amount of fun to fill in for Rush today. I'm so very thankful for the opportunity. Uh, I want to thank my friends KTTH in Seattle. Let me use their studio. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for letting me sit in here. 
Uh, I want to get to my phone calls at enter two eight two two eight eight two. I just wanted to give you guys a taste of something that your friends who do not take advantage of Rush's show, they don't know about RushLimbaugh.com, where they can get the archives, etc., the stack of stuff um, that helps them, would help them uh, come around to the right way of thinking in terms of politics. The slick type of spin that the AP is doing in terms of the the announcement that the president is going to put um, DHS officers into cities that are that are you know uh, choosing to harbor illegal immigrants, so they're illegal immigrant harboring cities. Uh, this this is how they're doing this. Listen to the subtlety of this. It starts with a headline that I got I got this from the Seattle Times. Seattle Times may have written the headline, but the rest of it is AP. Here's the headline. U.S. border agents to pursue migrants in, quote, sanctuary cities. Right? No, they're not. They're not pursuing migrants. That's a lie. And they knew it was a lie when they put it in the, uh, in, in the news source. I was going to say paper, website. No, they're not. They're, they're pursuing illegal immigrants. So either the, the, the media means that all migrants are illegal, or they are, they're going to continue to play this game. Now, that one's easy to spot. The quote around sanctuary cities is interesting because Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, uh, Austin, other cities say we're sanctuary cities. That's the word they use. That's the marketing phrase. Then we get into the article. The AP describes sanctuary cities this way, and I quote, where local jurisdictions are hindering stepped-up immigration enforcement. No, that's a lie, too. These cities have had these policies before the president, and they're not just hindering. You had in the case of California where a judge took a defendant out the back door because she knew that immigration, the federal government was there, took him out the back door. Then there's this. They go from lying about sanctuary cities to scaremongering. Listen to this direct quote. The deployment of customs and border patrol agents, some with tactical training, oh, wait, tactical training, that's very scary, right, except they're cops. Cops tend to have tactical training. They're, they're cops. Then there's this. The AP pretends this is so slick, so slick. Listen to how they say this. Acting Immigration and Custom Enforcement Director Matthew um, Ablentz said additional forces are needed because people without legal authorization to be in the country are being released from jails and sanctuary cities and counties before his agents can take them into custody. He says so? That's a verifiable fact. They put it in the phrase that he says so, so they can cast doubt on it. Oh, it's just them. When, in fact, it's verifiable fact that's going on. Last one. This is my favorite trick. They name the good guys. Immigration, or pardon me, immigrant activists, activists dismissed the deployment as a political move by President Trump. So you see what they've done? They've taken you and made you an opponent of immigration, even if you're an immigrant. When, in fact, the issue is illegal immigration, as we know. Tonight, the big debates, Bloomberg, are they going to draw blood? Are any of the Democrats going to succeed in drawing blood around his statement that farmers are stupid? You put a hole in the ground, you spit on it, you got some corn. Is anyone going to draw blood? John in Willow Park, Texas, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman filling in. Hi, John. Hi, Todd. How are you? Doing great, sir. Doing great. So what's going on? Well, I think that uh, one of our nation's farmers ought to invite Bloomberg out to his farm and say, okay, Mike, what do we do tomorrow? (laughs) I'm just picturing Bloomberg trying to look over the table, the kitchen table, and, well, what do you mean, what do we do tomorrow? (laughs) Do we fix tractors? (laughs) No, I love that idea, because on a farm... 
Like there's a thousand things to do depending which. Yes, you have to fix the you have to fix the gear. But oh my gosh, oh this is great. I, I wish I could fly you to the debates. But maybe um, someone's got John. That's a where's Willow Park by the way. It is a little bit west of Fort Worth. Okay, so there's a few farmers down there, is it? A lot of ranches, lots some yeah. farms. Yep. Yep. Okay. A lot of horses. Well, John, that made my day. That is an absolutely brilliant idea. I'm really glad that you called Rush's show. Thank you very, very much. You, got, you know, see, did I mention earlier about the reach of this program? That this is what's magical about uh, when you talk to Rush's listeners is is the broad base of people who listen to Rush's show that you can get the national view on this. Uh, we've been to New Jersey. We've been to California today. We've been to Florida. We've been to Iowa. We've been to Pennsylvania multiple times. Now we come from a Texas perspective of, yes, bring Bloomberg down, ask him what's next on the schedule. Absolutely brilliant. I would also like to hear from machinists because Bloomberg also was decrying machinists. He said a metal eighth, you put a chunk of iron on there and you, and you put a tool on it and it goes round and round and it's just that easy. So I'd like to hear from the machinists as well. We'll wrap up the show. Some final thoughts as we continue. Todd Herman filling in for Rush Limbaugh on the EIB Network. I want to thank everybody on the team EIB for having me today. The support's incredible. The love that this team has for Rush Limbaugh uh, is absolutely inspiring. And remember, you can go to RushLimbaugh.com and leave Rush a note there. Please do that. Uh, the Daytona 500, you saw this very scary wreck uh, that Ryan Newman was involved in. Thank goodness he is now awake. Um, and you saw perhaps a criticism of the winner uh, for having a celebration, Denny Hamlin. Uh, I come from a racing background. And I never raced NASCAR or anything approaching NASCAR. I did race open-wheeled modified cars that were very fast and very dangerous. And at one point when I was a kid, prior to racing stock cars, um, I was racing in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in a half midge. It'd go about 125 miles an hour. It's an inch off the ground. Car weighed about oh, 150 pounds. I rolled that thing seven times end over end. The, but third time that I rolled, uh, my helmet contacted the ground that I was unconscious. And interestingly, the car landed on its wheels. I woke up, turned on the switch. We had enough momentum to keep the car going. It came into the pits, said to my dad, can you fix the car? He said, no, he could have. Here's what I found out later. His 16-year-old son weighs a couple hundred pounds, is flying by, going end over end in a 150-pound race car that's 350 pounds going by at about 90 miles an hour, flipping around. And my father, really big, farmer, strong guy, my father tried to reach out and grab the roll cage. Because though I was 16, though I was the physical size of a grown man, I was still his little boy. Flying by in a race car, tried to grab it with his bare hands, would have torn his arm off. My point on all this is, at that point, none of us ever thought of not celebrating the winner of the race. I'd lost, but I was okay. It's Todd Herman, honored to fill in for Rush Limbaugh. Thank you. Thank you.